Hello, 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 everyone. How are we doing? Is everyone all good? Welcome to the Media in Color podcast. I am one of your hosts, Obina, and with me, as always, is a fantastic bookie. Do you want to say hi to the people, bookie? Good morning, good morning. Good morning on good this, morning. this, what would have been a day off, actually. Well, yes, yeah, so... <laughs> So actually, everyone, in case you didn't know, Wavemaker has these things called uh, mental health days, right? Mental health days, it's uh, the company gives us one day where we can sort of take our time and focus on ourselves, on our mental health. And of course, the workaholics we are, we're deciding, you know what, what better day is there to record a podcast episode than a mental health day, right? The day's free. I don't have enough hours on other days. So. <laughs> Actually, how do you take care of your mental health, Bucky, on, on a general topic? What, what's your go-to thing? Uh, it was sport. Sport's my sport's my main thing. Play a lot of sport. Um, I'm just just taking up some new sports right now that actually I'm going to be heading to after this. I'm going to actually meet a friend. Four, hopefully, he's bailed on me like four times, but I'm trying to meet a friend <laughs> to play some golf this afternoon. Golfing. Uh, about, to, about to hit the driving range. I just, I just feel like I'll be good. I don't know. That, that is my toxic trait. Is I feel like I will be good at everything, and so I really just feel like I will be good. So I'm gonna try and do that this afternoon. So that's 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 the main thing. If I'm honest, what about yourself? And I forget, Bookie, that you have a life. I forget sometimes. <laughs> but hey, you're, you're just golfing out here like a pro. Yeah, whatever. So I'm, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. <laughs> um for me honestly my thing is is i watch shows i do poetry you know i'm gonna not gonna lie mental health days for me are mostly life admin days where i just get stuff done that i wouldn't have time to do otherwise um but i might change my ways to be like you you know i want to be like you when i grow up so (laughs) (laughs) i think life admin in itself is is self-care i love i love sitting down when you sit down and you get through everything you're literally like oh my god yeah it's clear i can just breathe for a minute <laughs> you know well, my haircut's booked my doctor's appointment's booked the house is clean you know my files are filed now oh yeah but, i mean actually that's i should actually do my haircut thing because my hair yeah, is, you, is out yeah, it's out of this world you you're not meant to agree with me you're not meant to <laughs> You're, you're, meant, you're meant to say, no, you're fine. It's okay. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry. Okay, everyone, I'm sure you've noticed that the tone today is a bit different. This is going to be a bit of a different uh, Media and Color episode. It's also going to be a bit, bit of a shorter one. And that's because of the subject matter that Bookie and I feel that we kind of need to talk about today. So I'm not sure if everyone has heard, but um, I believe a couple weeks ago, there was a stabbing in Croydon. Uh, what happened was was a 17-year-old boy uh, was approaching a young lady at the age of 15. And the story essentially was that um, she rejected his advances. And in retaliation, uh, the young man stabbed her. And so she passed and it became this quite big uh, news story for obvious reasons. Uh, because a lot of the conversations, essentially, what has this world come to where a rejection of an advance leads to death? It's, it's, it's interesting that, like, you know, I think obviously some people are 
what has this world come to? But I think there will be a lot of listeners that will be like, well, yeah, this is this is this is a daily threat. This is a daily mm. threat in all in all kind of areas. And I think on the story, I think there has been a couple of different reportings of you know how it was. I know there's the story that he rejected the advances. There's the story that a friend, it was a friend, so a one girl rejected his advances, and mm. her friend jumped in to protect her, and she was the one that was stabbed. But essentially, the crux of it is still the same. It is that there was a rejection. Uh, which led to um, an, a, a fatal altercation, to be honest. Um, and I think one of the reasons why we wanted to speak on this is because obviously as, you know, co-leads of Wavemaker Roots, we work really closely with the other ERGs and there is a lot of intersectionality here. There is um, an element um, of, you know, young people, people from maybe deprived areas. There's obviously the male and female um angle to this there's a, yeah there's a, a huge amount of intersectionality which kind of begs the question you know where do we go from here how did we get here and where do we go from here and in the industry that we're in you know I know a lot of people might say you know what does this have to do with us mm. but I think that there is a lot that it that it could it can and should you know do with us I was uh, doing a little bit of research and found yeah. this quote on the Ben Kinsella Trust website from one of their um, facilitators. So just for anyone who doesn't know, this was a trust that was set up after the murder of um, a boy named Ben in 2008, following Mm -hmm. an altercation in a pub. And so the quote goes like this. We as practitioners, influencers and role models have a responsibility to show our children and young people that violence is never the answer that they can make their voices and opinions heard in positive, meaningful, legitimate ways, that they can stand up for themselves without needing to arm themselves by being assertive, empathetic and understanding. Let's get to a better place. And I think Mm. that rings particularly true for us, you know, as people who are in in a role where we speak often about influencers and role models and a lot of the choices that we make sometimes put people into those positions. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think media has an important role to play because whether we like it or not, I mean, I I make the joke, right, that we're not brain surgeons, right? We're not saving lives. I mean, we're we're not directly saving lives, but we are shaping culture. Our job shapes culture because, and I think we all realise this by now, a lot of our cultural norms, a lot of our understanding of the world is shaped by the media that we consume. Right, whether it be movies, whether it be adverts, whether it be content, whatever, it's shaped by it. And just to give an example, um, this term designated driver. It's a big thing nowadays. For those who don't know, but I think everyone knows, right? Is that is that sober person in a group of friends that is designated to be the driver of everyone home on a drunken night out. And that wasn't that that didn't originally come in the English dictionary. It was actually part of a campaign that will push through different movies to push that dialogue into into the mainstream um i found this actual report about it which is very interesting i'll put it in the show notes but it's just it's just to show again that our our industry does shape culture and i think this is an important conversation because i think about like the roadman culture and stuff like that like if you watch top boy right it's a great show great show about the the lives of people living in hackney not everyone, but a certain sect of people. But what you find a lot is that people glorify that way of living, right? They're saying, oh, I want to be a bad man. 
all these guys are doing their thing, you know, and it's, it's like seen as cool. But that show wasn't meant to say, hey, we're cool. It was meant to say, hey, this is the reality of the, li- of the world we live in. It's not that you should replicate it and say, this is the life I want to live. It's to say, this is what we went through. Thank God we're out of it. The opposite is usually celebrated. Um, and again, and that could just comes down to how the world sort of interpret, interpret, uh, interpretates, I'm making up words, interprets media and the different content um, that shape that. I, I agree. I think on that point specifically, I think it's very, very interesting because like we say, what can we do? What can we, what should we be doing as an industry? And it is that point of showing, showing the youth what other options are out there. I think is a huge one for us. Because like you said, something like a top boy wasn't made to be glorified. It was made as a, this is my, this is my lived reality. There's a lot of, there's a lot of speech um, uh, and a lot of talk in the arts that, you know, people, they write what they know. Song artists, uh, songwriters, they write what they know. Adele, she sings about the heartbreak that she, um, she experienced. So, you know, these young playwrights and these young um you know, film rights are writing what they know, what they have lived, what they have seen. But unfortunately, in some spaces, it will it, it can be glorified because that's the only way some of these youth are seen to make uh, money or handle disagreements, uh, mm-hmm. handle rejection, handle um, disrespect or perceived disrespect. They see that as the way. They don't know another way. And so it is for us. I actually didn't know that about the, I think I did in the back of my mind, but I didn't know, know yeah. the designated driver thing. But I say all the time, advertising makes the world go round. I think the, the world is built on a series of product extensions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. It, it With is, the quotes. It is, it is. I think in the, like, and this is not me trying to be like, we work in a terrible industry. I, I think it's an industry, like you said, that has the power to, to do such good and it does make the world go round but it is built on product extensions so what product can we extend to show you know these young people that there is other stuff out there for them um before i kind of get into i'm going to ask you if, when I'm, I'm yeah. sure you've got some ideas i've obviously got a few here but one thing i do want to just pick up on was i think we actually spoke about this maybe on season one which was the mayor of London knife crime. Um, yeah. The, the mayor of London knife crime campaign, whereby they rolled out, in 2019, by the way, they rolled out um, chicken shop boxes uh, and said that, you know, uh, young people, youth can um, put the put their knives and things into, into, um, into these boxes and hand them in. And there was like knife free. And because we were speaking with um, the the owners, the, co- the co-founders of Word on the Curb at the time, who kind of saw this and was like, I don't really know what the government's trying to do, but this is a bit yeah. crazy. And the boxes ended up being returned to the government with actual really good ideas of how they can actually help impact the increases in knife crime. But yeah, I did just want us to touch on a few points of knife crime because we're now talking about it but we haven't actually put it into any context so knife crime has been steadily rising for years one of the graphs that i looked at was showing increases year on year um since 2015 um with the exceptions of the 2020 2021 and the 2021 2022 covid years due to lockdown but 
overall they are recruit uh, they've they've been increasing since 2015 to the point where there were 12,786 knife related crimes in England alone um mm. uh, i think that, with, that went up to march 2023 so i think yeah, it was april 2022 to march 2023 of that there were 282 murders of those murders 99 people were under 25 and of those <laughs> under 25 13 were under 16 mm. see that will be 14 now given the recent incident in croydon as you know i think the victim was 15 so yeah it is. It's crazy. We're losing youth. We are losing yes. youth at a crazy pace, and I don't think we're addressing it in the right way. And a lot of people will say this isn't our this isn't our place to be. You know, local governments or local authorities, government, police, um, charities, they should all be doing more. Um, and I think a lot of those a lot of those people are doing what they can do, but. In terms of that graph, I tell you, of year-on-year increases in knife-related incidents, mm-hmm. the funding for youth-related projects is going down at a proportion. Yes, I've seen that. I have seen that. Crazy. Craziness. And then we're yes. still confused. Like, what's going on? What's going on? They ain't got nothing to do. They ain't got nothing to look at. No one knows. They're just watching Top Boy and being like, well, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. That's all I've got. And I-, I was actually talking to someone about this, right? Because when I was younger, honestly, one of the the saving graces of the community that I, I lived in was this community centre called Tabot Play Centre. Yeah, youth club, yeah? Youth club. It was a youth club, literally, yeah. yeah. And you had kids that came out of juvie that went there. You had kids from the local schools. Every every sort of kid was there. And it was sort of like a safe haven, right? You didn't do stuff at, at Tabot, right? It, it's safe. You don't do anything. And it's like, you'll, you'll see this guy that, like, this guy, Jamie. I said like a lot. Apologies, everyone. Um, this gentleman, Jamie. I remember um, I used to be afraid of him because he had that background. And I was just like, my mom was also like, be careful who you hang around. This boy was one of the bravest and most supportive people I'd ever met. Like when you talk about olders, he was my older. And when I was scared or like really shy, because I was really shy as a boy, this boy would always be like, no, Obi, come and join the group. No, Obi, come and get involved in this. No, Obi, come and do this. You wouldn't expect that from the background that he came from, but yo, he changed my life, right? He's the reason why I had friends. Um, and that was possible because of the community that I was in, in that sort of safe place. And now I'm hearing with the cuts that they're doing in youth funding that some kids don't have youth club. Or if they have youth club, it's bare expensive, so they can't actually afford it. Like, you're, you're asking, you know, why is the tap flowing and why you take off the faucet? You get me? Like, there's nothing to stop the flow. It's just it's just going to go. And, and what do we expect to do? And we're not talking about public policy here. Fine. Fair enough. That's We're not policymakers. But I think it's important to acknowledge the simple things that you can do to make an impact. And stuff like youth funding for, like, those sort of programs is different. It does a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just on that point, Bucky, completely agree. Yeah, I I agree. And I think just before we get on to what we can do as an industry, I did want to just quickly touch on some of the things that came out of that 2019 uh, chicken box campaign. So obviously when Wendell the Curb kind of galvanised the youth and wrote um, their own suggestions on how the government can tackle the knife crime epidemic, as some people are kind of calling it, and sent that back to uh, back to the government. You know, those kind of things included stuff such as, you know, community mentors for three to 10 year olds. Because to be honest, a lot of this 
mindset mm. is built in those formative years. People might say three years old, that's too young. I don't think it is. Especially when it's for, this is for a positive mentor. This is not someone mm. telling you stay away from knife crime. This is someone shaping you and helping you just understand that there are other avenues. And that kind of stuff, that kind of um, communication, it starts as young as three. So I don't, I don't think that's a bad idea. Interest-free business loans. I was like, this is a very interesting one because when you can't get a loan for mm. whatever reason from anywhere to have a business that actually would be a pretty good business, then there's no way you, you have no else, no way else to make money, no nothing else to turn to. So a lot of people are saying, you know, end up in a life of crime. But when you think about how much we're paying on the other side of that crime, mm. would you not have actually just paid less to mm. give a small, you know? three three thousand pound five thousand pound business loan to keep someone out of the trouble and keeping them mm. in prison like mm. sometimes i think that might be better prevention is better than cure um and then you know as we kind of mentioned edu- uh, increased educational resources but like we said this isn't us as an industry so hopefully we've held you lot at least this long so i'm gonna yeah. ask you obi what do you think we can do as an industry or what do you think we should be looking to do as an industry to try and, you know, play our part in reversing this trend that is kind of, you know, ripping the country apart, to be honest? Yeah, yeah. Like Before I go into, into specifics, I, I want to say some people may look at this and think it's a racial problem because some people hear Croydon and they think a certain type of person. But it's in, it is not a race problem. In this case, it's a class problem. It's a class problem where people at the lower end of the class, regardless of their ethnic background, whatever, are going through this experience and they're only seeing that sort of experience. When I lived in the council flats uh, in Kilburn, where I grew up, there was a whole plethora of different types of people that were all just suffering and all just like not on that level, right? Um, Central C, right? He's He's a prominent known rapper right now. He actually makes a couple songs just talking about supporting the community. He's not a black person. Right? He comes from a completely different background as well. So it's not about, well not, it's not a racial issue, it's a class issue. It's about the stint inability for people to be upwardly mobile and move out of their current circumstance. That's what this conversation is about. So I just, I just kind of wanted to, to frame no, it. Like I, think, that. I think that's such an important yeah. point because even that Ben Kinsella trust I was talking about, that Ben that was stabbed mm-hmm. up, he was, he was, he's a white guy as well. He's a white guy yeah. as well, which I wasn't, to be honest, like you say, it's so easy to think it's a, it's a race thing, but I think that was, you know, perfectly articulated that it isn't. It's that upward mobility where you can't see any upward mobility. You just kind of default to what's around you and, and it just kind of perpetuates the, the whole cycle. But yeah. What yeah. So what I'm thinking, and again, everyone, this is not, this is not like thought leadership, right? This is just ideas. So Bookie always also come in and if you have ideas, it'll be great to start more of a conversation about this as well. But when we talk with media, we're talking about influence and we're talking about the different ways we can change consumption in order to to better instill positive ideals into people so with that in mind i think one of the first things is for um companies such as wavemaker or others uh to have a strong program for putting youth into work right not just getting them into schools but literally more apprenticeships and more um work experience stuff because there's something about when you learn how to make money outside of what you know right because a lot of people 
the reason why they go into this life is because they need money to support their family or they feel they need to survive and so like yo what's a quick way of making money is drugs no we need to show them that there's a way to make money and make you know a good living outside of your current environment so again i don't think it's too young let's work with 10 year olds to make interesting campaigns to support their community pro bono for free a lot of us have government clients how can we instill you to use their creativity to better their community and get them paid for it mm -hmm. i think those are strong things that we can be doing to support people i think um, on that point um i love that one i think it's, it's an area that I think Waymaker's definitely been making a lot of strides in that. I know we have a lot yeah. of different apprenticeships, all that kind of stuff, which is fantastic. But the one thing I want to add to the top of that is mm. to really open our industry to young people because, mm. uh, and not, and this isn't necessarily at Wavemaker. This is a wider thing. I have seen numerous young people leave roles, um, agencies, um, jobs in, you know, a, a plethora of, of areas because of the antiquated attitudes of their bosses. So mm. yes, we want to bring in this youth. We want to let them know that there's another way to make money. But then when they get here, sometimes we don't treat them in the way that we said we would. Like we we have a huge um, what's it called tendency to do things the way they've always been done. Just because you had to learn a certain way as an exec in such and such time doesn't mean that's the same way you need to treat your new execs, especially when they come yeah. from different backgrounds, different classes, different um, ethnicities, that the kind of things that you might said, or that might've been said to you as a kid are now very triggering. When mm. you come from an area where you've either been held back or you haven't seen, you, you know, you haven't had anyone in your corner. I was actually watching sex education the other day. And okay. uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the main characters uh, gets to go off to um, a prestigious writing school in um, yeah. America, but she's from uh, a really low socioeconomic background and she gets there and one of the teachers was literally like, oh, I don't think you're cut out to be a writer. And that breaks her, especially Ooh. when you're not from a place no. where you've had your parents say, you can do anything you want. You just put your mind to it. You can do this. Sometimes it just takes one person to be like, this mm. wasn't very good in a horrible tone you're broken you are you were already feeling like you weren't supposed to be here you don't you don't see anyone that looks like you you don't you didn't feel like you fitted yeah. in and then just one person needs to go this is not very good just because that's the way that they were taught when they were an exec but they had parents who said you can do anything you want they've been to university they've done all of that so i think just understanding that your lived experience isn't enough to warrant how you treat, you know, the youth coming into your business, just because that's how it was done when you came up. You need to adapt. I think managers need to adapt and they need to understand that it's not just, I treat all my execs the same. Because sometimes you can tell, you'll know. Mm. You'll know by the way they talk. You'll know by the way, you'll know these things. You don't need to make a deal of it, but just sometimes have a bit more care. Because we're pushing them, those same people will just go straight back out and say, you know what, I tried that and it wasn't for me. Let me go back to how it was, where I know, I feel, I almost feel safe there because at least I know where, I know where my enemies are. <laughs> and uh, by the way, by the way, I think you are actually a great example of this because the execs that joined your team were Team Xerox originally. Now they're taking leadership roles. And uh, from the moment that they were execs, they didn't talk like execs. They talked like project managers. Yes. They talked like 
strong stakeholders like they knew what they were on <laughs> and it's partly as of how you groom them into being like that so you you walk the walk and you talk the talk on this one with respect <laughs> stop that respect. Hey, I, I appreciate you saying that but I, I i really do believe that i think you know you need to adapt to the people that you've got coming in it's not one size fits all and especially mm. now that we're, we're trying to move out into the spaces and we're trying to bring people in we just have to know that cool yeah. all right any more any more you got the the those are like i have two so that the first one was that one the second one and i'm not sure how people are going to take this but it is what it is um i saw this ted talk by this guy called aaron jacklin he's a graphic designer in the states um and he talks about essentially how he was able to create his career out of graphic design through um working on projects that he loved with people that he liked to get along with um and so he's now doing this thing where he dedicates every friday to just supporting small businesses and doing that sort of work. And somehow he's making it work. He's a big agency. He runs a Japling & Co. It's a large agency in the US. So they are profitable, just in case you're wondering. But um, I think pro bono hours need to be pushed a bit more in agency land because you don't know how your support for local community or local businesses will help you in the long run. You know what I mean? I, I just think there needs to be more of a downward funneling of ideas and media money, not just from agencies, but I think all businesses to some extent. I think a, a strong pro bono hours should be something pushed in all businesses, but specifically in agency land. I think if we're talking about making impact and you know supporting the people that we sell to or that we reach really in the things that we do, I do think it's important to actually do that in with our own knowledge and expertise and in giving pro bono hours. That's so, I, think, I like that. Yeah, I think those are my that's two actually ones. a very interesting one in terms of moving from, you know, just being an audience that we reach with messages that are designed to, you know, um, let them know about different products and services, but a downward sharing of that knowledge, that information. I love that. That's really, really interesting. Because I, I, it's something we've spoken about quite a lot. We've actually really wanted to do something like this where we, you know, engage in some pro bono work. But yeah. one of those ones where, you know, we, we spoke at the beginning of this, there's not enough hours in the day. So I think if that's something that could be managed, you know, from the top to be like, here we go. We all have two charity days a year. Like, how are we, how are we using that as a, as a business? Mm. I don't think everybody's using that. I think some people no. are using a few. But not everybody. I myself, I'm not even using mine right now. Um, I, well, I'm going to use them at, at Christmas for Christmas at Christmas. That's my that's my plan this year. But okay. um, you know, I think it is. It's so difficult to to weave that in. So I think that's one for probably way above our pay grade. We can we can make. This <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, someone above our pay grade will pick that one up uh, and see how we can do that because I think it's a I think it's an interesting one. Um, I got two more. A little bit of them. I'm not sure about all of them. They're not all the way thought through, but you know, this is a discussion. These aren't, as you, as Dobie mentioned, these aren't just definitive ways to do this. We're not the authority on how to do, how to improve yeah. the situation. These are just, you know, the working thinkings, working thinkings, working thoughts of you know two people who hopefully try and speak a little bit um, positively on a podcast. We're, we're trying to help. <laughs> two people trying to help. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. So one of them is this theory of all this uh, notion of inclusive planning. And I actually think our planning shouldn't just be inclusive, but it should be intentional. I think mm. this can open the door for a lot of long tail publications, creators, 
hosts to be able to work with big agencies and brands. So I know this is actually something that there was a group, um, M Steering Group, uh, looking into doing something like this, which can help these smaller publications um, get the infrastructure that allows them to work with agencies such as, such as us. But I think a huge responsibility lies with planners because, yes, you can go to the big talent. You can go to a Channel 4 and shout out Channel 4 because they are actually one of the best, one of the best in this space. They do a lot mm. in this space to um, work with underrepresented groups, whether that be um, lower socioeconomic groups, uh, ethnic diver- um, ethnically diverse, LGBT uh, women. They do all of, they do a lot of that stuff. But if you as a planner can go to Channel 4 and hit all, all the audiences on your target audience list, we tend to do that. I'm a planner. I've mm. come from planning. We tend to do that. We think, you know what? That's just easier. I can put all of the budget in there. We can get a whole bunch of reach and we can hit every demographic that we need to hit. Easy. Mm. But now there's no space for those smaller publications to shine. And those jobs now don't look like something that the youth that we're trying to speak to can go into. That's not. It's not going to be a lucrative area for them to go into. They're not going to be able to make any money. There's no space for them even. So I think being able to champion some of the smaller creators, smaller publications that might be niche, that might speak directly to um, a specific audience rather than a broad audience is something that we can start to do. It might take more time for us, but as planners, we can start to do that, start to open it up, start to make the industry a little bit more inclusive with that intentional planning that doesn't just, you know, search black podcasts and pick a couple. Let's search, let's search them and listen to them. Let's see how many listeners they've got. Are they actually good? And can mm. we set them up for success? Because if we just pick random five, you could pick the worst five on there. It's going to fail and then the industry will never try it again. And it, it just, and it follows from our previous uh, conversation about seasonal versus that long tail, right? If, if our goal is not just to like do a blip and be, you know, just race casting for this month, and we actually want to have a strong business model and push this thing forward, then we need to set them up for, for long-term partnerships, not just one blip. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I'm sorry to anyone, because Obi said this might be a shorter podcast, but it's actually ended up going a little bit longer um, than, than, than <laughs> usual. Um, I think there's one more um, area that I don't necessarily know how it's us that's going to get into that massively. And I know there have been efforts by you know different governments and different um, organisations, but there is this um, toxic masculinity that needs addressing. Now, this has a lot of different facets in this particular um, example. And obviously we mentioned the rejection angle, but we also had mentioned the respect angle, people feeling disrespected, and then people thinking that they need to, re- they need to retaliate and they need to retaliate in a certain way, or that then then they just need to protect themselves for fear of retaliation on all this kind. And this is how the cycle um, gets, you know, continually perpetuated. So I think there is something to be said for that because you've got to think of the the bigger names in this space. You know, your Andrew Tates, your Joe Rogans. So those guys are at the big end of toxic masculinity, I think. But if you can have someone or people like that with such a huge platform, we then go down into some of these long tail um, you know, you know, creators who might even just subscribe to a piece of that because they saw that they did it and they think, well, if that guy's the m- number one 
um, podcast on Spotify and he's saying that, I can definitely say a little bit of that. And that kind of thinking gets perpetuated through mm. a lot of um, youth and uh, male youth, unfortunately. I'm not saying all male youth, just before anyone comes from me, I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, this idea of, you know, respect and revenge and looking weak and having protection, all of that filters down to a micro level, which we still touch at some point, whether that is through podcast, uh, buying podcast space on Spotify or Acast or anyone like that. We still touch that. And somehow these podcasts are still, you know, some of them are still at the top of their game. So I don't know how exactly we're going to get into that, but... I just want it to be known that there is some level of, you know, the work that we do and the planning that we do that goes into that. Fair enough. Okay. I feel like this conversation could turn into a long one because exactly. I agree and disagree with what you said. So Ooh. that's all. That could give be me a flavor of the disagreement. We might have to okay. <laughs> give me a flavor. Give me a flavor. I, so I agree in that. I do think, um, you know, the, the hyperactiveness of this sort of content is not healthy, right? And it's unfortunate, but bad news sells really, really well. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, the worst of these people's quotes are coming up outside of the context of what they're saying. And it's becoming these huge viral moments that a lot of people are subscribing to. And sometimes people can't take away like the truth from the advice, if that makes sense. Like advice is advice, but not all advice speaks to your truth. So sometimes we take on a truth that's not ours and follow an advice that's not meant for us, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's a thing there. On the flip side, I will say that there is a strong community of, of young boys without strong male role models. And so they, like not saying that there's a strict definition of masculinity, but there are some things that need to be hit. And the reason why I say that is because part of being um, a man um, when you think of like the family sector, which, you know, we all want to go into relationships and all of that, like there are different roles to be played in, in the family sector and all of that. And if you don't understand fully what a good example of your role is, then when it comes time for you to act within a certain role, you're just kind of flabbergasting and can be blown with the wind. Mm. And unfortunately, it means that the, the market that you're trying to reach may not take you in as comfortably. But that's a whole other conversation. No, I said you agree and disagree, but everything you said, I think I agree with. I don't. I, oh, okay. I, I, because I, I think what I'm talking about here is toxic masculine, masculinity. Okay. Masculinity. Mm. Why is that weird? All of masculinity. masculinity. No, you're right. You're good. You're you good. Said, you're I said good. it fine just now. I think there's it's that subset. I think masculinity mm. in itself, as you said, we need a lot more. But we need a lot more role models for that. But where I'm at right now is that mm. subset that, you know, is your, you know, those people. Because you're right, bad news does sell well. And again, that's another area that we feed feed into. The publications Mm. that we use, the media we consume, they are still the ones who report on this. Again, I was watching the Beckham thing. And it's so funny, you forget how the media used to be. You forget how the media (laughs) used to be. Because I knew about all of that when he when he got that that red card in the World Cup or whatever. I remember all all that slightly. I was still fairly young, to be perfectly honest. But I remember the aftermath and the way the media behaved was crazy. Mm. Now, we are slightly, you know, responsible because we buy within those same media. So someone needs to hold them, hold them to account, but we just don't know who's going to do it yet. So I think, I, I think we agree. We agree on that point. We agree on that point. 
Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, on that bombshell of us agreeing, we're going to end the episode now. I hope everyone, if, if anything, you took something from this conversation. If anything, it starts another conversation. I know Bookie and I are both open to these conversations as well. So if you want to talk further, we're open to it. Um, but yo, it's a strong topic. You know, what is our role in all of this? Because we do have a role in our industry that shapes culture. So yeah, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Media in Colour. My name is Obina. And with me is always the amazing bookie. <laughs> Have an amazing rest of your day. Peace. Awesome.